Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Be yourself. Obviously, in our industry, there's a lot of other investors that we network with. And you don't you don't have to be salesman-y. You don't have to be. Just be you. And if you can make your main focus on them, the money will come. Best ever listeners, wouldn't it be nice to have a $2 million pre-approval line of credit? Ah, just think about that. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be nice? How would that help you get more deals done? Because when you submit a pre-approval line of credit with your offer on a fix and flip house, do you think it's going to stand out more? I think so. And our friends at Fund That Flip, you know Fund That Flip, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show before many times. He's a friend of mine. He's also the owner of Fund That Flip and they're a sponsor of today's episode. What they're doing is they're giving a $2 million pre-approval line of credit up to $2 million pre-approval line of credit for qualified buyers. And my gosh, in this competitive buying market, sellers prefer to sell to buyers who have a high likelihood of closing, right? Makes sense. Well, use this pre-approval line of credit from Fund That Flip and that will signal to the seller that you're the real deal and you'll be able to close quickly. It's free. All you got to do is go to fundthatflip.com. You've got to qualify that you have prior experience and there's a process, but it's free and you need to go to fundthatflip.com to get the pre-approval line of credit because this is a way that's going to help your short-term rehab loan happen because you're going to get the deal for the property where you need the short-term rehab loan. Go to fundthatflip.com and get that pre-approval line of credit for up to $2 million. Best ever listeners, hello. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the show where we cut out all the fluff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. With us today, we've got an experienced wholesaler, fix and flipper, and buy a hold investor who's done over 500 deals. How you doing, Kristen Caravolis? Uh, uh, Christina Caravolis, excuse me. <laughs> You're like, I don't know who Kristen is, but uh, uh, <laughs> Christina's doing really well. <laughs> I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm doing really well. And Christina, Christina, as I mentioned earlier, is primarily a single family investor. She has over 18 years experience. 
she wholesales, fix and flips, does the rehabs, has done the rehabs, is buy and hold investor. She's based in Upland, California, and invests in both California and Texas. With that being said, Christina, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? My background began a long time ago. started out getting my real estate license. Uh, back then, they didn't have a bunch of places to learn how to invest in real estate, which is what I knew I wanted to do. So got my license, became the top 1% for the state of California within my first year, doing multi-million dollar deals. Uh, Immediately, probably within a few short years, I went full-time into investing, let my license go, and uh, went right into buying properties, uh, being a landlord, and then doing fix and flips, and, you know, discovered wholesaling and fell in love, and still do a little of everything, constantly learning and looking to find ways to just increase the bottom line and help others and help myself in the process. All right. You got to be the top 1% within your first year as a real estate agent. How much were you making roughly uh, as a top 1% person? I was doing probably about $5 million a year in closings. My first year, I did $3 million, but I did a lot of double ending. So it kind of just did well for me. <laughs> and I was also the youngest. I was 17 years old at that time. Wow. So you're so. you're 17 doing 5 million in closings. How much is that money in Christina's pocket when you say that? I, I'm trying I'm not a real estate agent so I don't know how to equate. On it. average between 30 and 50,000 a closing. And how many deals did you do over that first year? On about oh, good Lord. about That's so long ago. Uh, maybe about 15, 15 my first year, I think. Got it. Got it. So about half half a, about a half a million dollars your first year. So you're making about half a million dollars. Why did you go into investing and let your license go if you're making half a million? Well, for me, when I went into it, it was mainly because I wanted to learn the ropes. I wanted to learn the ins and outs, understand the dynamics of deals and acquiring new clients, new properties, things like that. But for the most part, I already knew when I got my license that I I didn't want to stay a realtor. I, I have more leeway and freedom as an investor. I'm not mandated by the state. I'm not contractually. I, I mean, there's. I'm limitless without having the license. So I could be far more creative as an investor without a license than I could be with a license. And that was 18 years ago? A little longer, but a little let's longer? just... <laughs> all right, all right, we'll yeah. say that. Whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Plus or minus. Plus or minus. Yeah. All right, fine. When you look back on when you first started, first year making half a million dollars, if you could now, knowing what you know, what's transpired, if you could say, you know what, I'd like to continue to make half a million dollars a year over all those years instead of making whatever I made as a real estate investor, which one would be more profitable if you would continue to make half a million a year over all those years, or if you made the money that you made in real estate over those years as an investor? Definitely as an investor. Having my license, it served its purpose. You know, back then were different times. You didn't have readily available people or, you know, avenues to learn. And internet wasn't as integrated as it is now. But if I had it to do all over again, you know, now there's, a, you know, dozens and 
different ways to learn the basics through. So it's still a great experience nonetheless. I don't regret it. And I'm, I'm actually appreciative of the road that I've traveled, but no doubt I would say I would want to go straight into being an investor. And just to make sure I, I asked it correctly, I'm asking which one would be more profitable if you could either A, make 500K a year for however many years you've been in real estate as a real estate agent or do what you've been doing as a real estate investor. Which one's more profitable? B. B. Okay. So you've yeah, made on you it. You don't have so to you, split your commissions with the office or anything like uh, that. Ah, you take keep it all for yourself. Okay, makes sense. So okay. so that means that you've made on average more than five hundred thousand dollars a year as a real estate investor. Yes. So let's dig into that because <laughs> I know a lot of <laughs> best ever listeners would love to know how. So what's been your most profitable venture and how did you structure it? Most of my targeted properties are usually folks who are in distress. Now, as you know, there are a great deal of people who are in distress situations and lose their homes every day. One of the deals I had done, and I call it my best deal, just because it was not only did I make a lucrative amount of money, but I also helped those folks a great deal. And they were in foreclosure and um, they also had money owed to Uncle Sam. Their business went under, their partner took off with their life savings to open up another location, left them high and dry. They had like 27 employees that no longer could get their wages. I mean, they they just had all kinds of liens and penalties attached to their property. It put them upside down by like $500,000 on the home. And they actually only owed 100000 on the thing. It was almost paid off. And they went to like, I don't know, five, seven different attorneys to try and fight to see what they could do to save their home. And um, lo and behold, I get a phone call. It wasn't from them, of course. They had already given up. It was, I think, their brother or a brother or brother-in-law. He's like, look, I heard about you. You help folks who are in these type of situations. I don't know if you can help them. Auctions next week. And, you know, don't tell him I told you to call <laughs> because he, he was really worried about, you know, them being upset with him by sharing their private information with me. So he gave me their info. I called him and, you know, long story short, they weren't really very motivated to meet. The situation was dire, but they just thought there was nothing further they could do. I said, well, if you've got nothing to lose, meet with me for 30 minutes and let's see if there's anything I might be able to do. Finally, they agreed to it. Lo and behold, six months later. Now, mind you, the husband has cancer and they're both past their 65 plus years. So she's now working a regular job just to try and make ends meet. He's ill with cancer going through chemo. Her wages are being garnished. Everything that she gets, and you know, and you're in your retirement years, it's how you worked your whole life. They were successful. And now her wages are being garnished. Her husband's almost nearing his expiration and so I I come into it and I just do what I do I started negotiating and I started dealing with the franchise tax board and they had a ton of liens like I said over four hundred thousand dollars just in liens in debt so I ended up negotiating it down they weren't going to get a penny I ended up at the end of the day giving them sixty thousand in their pocket I also without her knowing I took care of their debt she was no longer going to be garnished, but I saved that part for last. And I also made $100,000 profit myself in the interim. 
when I went to their house to let them know it was all done, I mean, they just started to cry. And, and then after crying, I'm like, well, by the way, you're also not going to be having your wages garnished anymore. And that look on her face was like the greatest feeling ever. Right. And that to me was my best deal because I made money, but more than anything, just to know, I mean, they were so eternally grateful and it was a great deal. It really was. Taking a couple steps back, that was a place where you came in, negotiated. It was basically, was it a short sale? Or? Well, it wasn't a short sale because they their mortgage was only $100,000. The place was worth five hundred. Okay. And they had over four or $500,000 just in their taxes and, and everything that was owed for their business. So, you know, like, um, you know, they didn't pay their employees and they have their all business related fees. And it, it was severe because there were federal liens. So at the end of the day, after it was all done, I even got calls from these attorneys like, well, how'd you negotiate a federal lien? I'm like, well, you don't know unless you try. And granted, I'm not an attorney, but I was persistent nonetheless. And I had to go down to their office several times. It ended up working, and we settled on, on, on an amount, which was probably one-fifth of what they owed, maybe one-sixth, paid it, and like I said, we was even able to put money in their pocket because they had nothing left. They had nothing. Mm-hmm. No money. All their money was taken right. from the debts. From a higher level, as you look at the money you've, you, you've made on average, what is the bucket or the category of approach that you've taken. So it doesn't have to be the specific deal. I'm just trying to say high level just to get understanding of, you know, you making on average more than 500K a year. What type of structure is most prominent and what type of strategy? So fix and flip, wholesale, I do this, the following thing. Like what? what's the most reoccurring thing out of well, it? That that's a, a a tough one to answer because the market, as you know, has changed drastically over the past couple of years. Originally, it it was through fix and flip and wholesaling, and as the market started to get fewer and fewer properties, then I started to delve more into subject twos, wraps, things like that, because the more strategies that you have at your disposal, every deal suddenly becomes potentially possible. Whereas most investors only look at something from the angle of, well, you know, I got to buy 65 cents on the dollar, less rehab. And, and, you know, those deals are few and far in between these days. And not that they're not everywhere. There's just not as many of them. So what's enabled me to continue doing well is because I have a multitude of different strategies, uh, different types of acquisition and disposition strategies. Mm where I'm not limited just by the one track mind of just 65 cents on the dollar, you know, kind of thing. So that's what's opened up my ability to do more deals was because I I have multitudes, you know, and I'm sure as you do as well, but it's being able to just have a variety of options at your disposal. How did you learn the different strategies and how do you recommend somebody who's wanting to get to your level learn these strategies? I'm a hungry-minded person. When I'm not working or being a mom, I, I'm also uh, you know, a, a mother <laughs> of a five-year-old daughter. Um, I'm constantly learning, and I don't care 
the best of the best investors out there know you can never know enough. Markets change, strategies change. Luckily, you know, we're in the information age. Everything is online. You know, I used to attend seminars upon seminars. I don't even have to do that anymore. I mean, now it's available like immediately by download. I read a lot. Avid reader. Uh, I like to learn constantly. I'm hungry to learn. So, you know, for other folks, it's not very different. I, I know that the difficult part is because the internet is saturated with, you know, learn how to get rich quick kind of things. And, you know, who do you trust and who do you go to? For me, uh, it was, you know, there's a small handful of maybe, you know, I, and of course I have, you know, a lot of friends in the industry as well. But for the most part, I just keep reading and what makes sense to me, I go with it. And what doesn't, I discard it because you're going to hear stuff that may not work for you, even if it's a good strategy. It's just maybe not your style or you're maybe not good with dealing with people directly. It just depends on what your level of comfort is. But, you know, it doesn't mean you can't learn about it. Internet is where I learn everything these days. And what's the number one strategy that you talk to people about that they're either not aware of or they're not used to hearing about? Oh, well, and maybe they've heard about it, but and I'll tell you this right now, because just my last few deals, like just from this year alone, I've done maybe about, I don't know, 10 or so sub two deals. Everybody's heard of the word sub two, but they've never done one. And a, a lot of people don't see the benefits. They've heard about it, but they themselves don't quite understand how lucrative they can be. The best part is you don't have any competition because most people walk away from them because it's not the old typical standard 65 cents on the dollar kind of deal so people walk away but I snatch them up as quickly as I can get them because I know the money that can be made on the front end in the spread on the back end it compounds and whereas most people they're lucky if they make you know 15 percent on average from a flip after taking three to six months to do the rehab and and blood sweat and tears right yeah and it's a lot of work and that all for measly, you know, 15%, if they're lucky. And if they've done their numbers right, and if the rehab or nothing broke, they didn't anticipate. Whereas with these sub two deals, oh my gosh, your investment is minimal. But the problem is, is a lot of folks don't have their own cash. So they're dependent on maybe like hard money lenders and, and whatnot that, you know, to, to imagine, you know, you, you, if you take a, an average $200,000 deal Instead of having to use two hundred thousand and maybe thirty thousand for the rehab, maybe another ten fifteen for holding costs. I mean that puts you in almost at two fifty, at the end of the day that you need at your disposal. Whereas if you get a sub two deal, you walk in with thirty or fifty grand and that's it. You know maybe thirty to acquire it and another ten to twenty to do the rehab. And on these sub two deals, if the investor is aware of another strategy called the wrap, they could sell it with owner financing. And wrap it. And, and they might have acquired it, the sub two, at like three and a half percent. And they're now going to turn around. You know, they, they acquired it at, you know, three and a half percent with, say, a hundred thousand or being owed on it. And, you know, you do the wrap and you've, you've sold it. And mind you, with a wrap, you could sell 15 percent above market so easily. So 15 percent above market, you, you know, get 15 percent down from your buyer, which already covers your initial investment, by the way. You get your money right back. <laughs> And then, you know, you, you turn around and, you know, you mind you, you got a three and a half percent, but now to your end buyer, you sell it off at 10, 11 percent. So now you've got spread monthly, which you don't even make that much as a typical hold on a rental. 
two to three hundred bucks, maybe at most on average. Right. But this way, you're you're making between five, six, seven hundred dollars a month, and you don't have the headaches of tenants, toilets, and you know things like that. So it, it just m- makes more sense. So now you've sold it. Let's say if it's two hundred and you you market fifteen percent of our market. Now you sold it for two fifteen. You end up making money on the back end, the spread, and and your initial down. So it's like if I had to choose between 15% return on investment or 200% return on investment, which would be my choice, you think? (laughs) Is there, yeah, is there an option C where it's like 500% or do I just get 200? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it can be more because most invest, I mean, you know, you could structure these things like some investors might say, especially if it's their first time doing a subject to in a wrap as an exit. Some investors, I'll say, okay, look, you know, maybe you're not comfortable. Do a balloon, at, you know, at year one or year two, and, and get yourself out of it quickly. But if you hold these things like for five years, ten years, oh my gosh, it compounds like nobody's business. And then do like ten of these a year. You know, at the end of the day, your passive income is going to just, you know, make it'll cover all your expenses, and you could still do your flips, and you could still do everything else but the name of the game as an investor is passive income wholesalers you know we we definitely we wholesale deals but in order to continue that kind of income you got to keep wholesaling you got to keep digging and looking for good deals so if they were to implement a strategy that would also allow them to slowly increase their passive income while they're doing their work uh you know it it just makes so much more sense and it's makes the the investing game a lot more fun, interesting, and rewarding. What are the circumstances where you'll want to do a subject to? It's not that difficult. Let's say, for example, um, I get realtors. I'm known out in Houston, especially. Agents will call me, and I have a great agent I work with, by the way. He handles everything. He's like my boots on the ground. And they'll call, and they'll say, okay, I've got this property. It's going to be a short sale. But the only reason it's going to be a short sale is because, let's say, the property's worth 200 and the you know, borrower owes 185 They don't have enough to cover closing costs and, and real estate commissions. You know, so it has to turn into a short sale. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll have them bring it to me. And I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't have to be a short sale. Let's, you know, they'll give me the deal, and I get full control over it. Agents will just, okay, here, they, they'll give us all the paperwork. I get all the consent forms and authorization forms that are needed. And I'll say, you know, where they think it's a short sale, I turn it into not being a short sale. Or the other scenario is there's a second on the property. Now, that second might be for like $45,000, you know, and the first is like one eighty. What a lot of people don't know, and this is something that's extremely valuable to know, to do a short sale on a second is not like doing it on the first. What I typically call it, I don't even call it a short sale. I call it a settlement offer because of a second position or, or subprime lenders, uh, which most of them were back in that era that are being foreclosed on now, they're not going to get anything if the property forecloses. Nothing because they're in second position. And the first is already almost nil with you know being able to cover anything other than just paying off the first. So these second lien holders don't get anything. So what I'll do is I'll get in touch with these second lien holders and, you know, I'll say, hey, you know, I usually offer, honestly, between 2 and 5% of the actual money owed. And they, they've accepted many times. And so I short the second and I reinstate the first and all in a matter of a couple of weeks, maybe two, three weeks at best, where most short sales take like 
what, four to six months on average. Mm-hmm. So this is, again, knowing strategies and understanding what types of things that are available to you. And the more you know, the easier it becomes that when you look at a deal, you can immediately know. The first thing I look at is what's my exit going to be? How am I going to get out of it? Once I know how I'm going to get out of it, I know what I need to do to get into it. Every deal is different. And, and the great thing about it is, is there's, there's so many different ways to, to do things. That's why I'm able to do more deals. And it's interesting. It's fun. And it's um, and you're helping people at the same time while making money. I mean, that's the greatest part of all the, the amount of people that the families and the, you know, right. thank yous. And it's amazing. Christina, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh, good Lord. There's so much. <laughs> I would say be yourself. Obviously, in our industry, there's a lot of other investors that we network with and you don't, you don't have to be salesman-y. You don't have to be. Just be you. And if you can make your main focus on them, the money will come. A lot of investors look at the money first. And I got to say, I think that it's more important to care about them and their situation. And when you figure that out and when you handle that, the money is going to come automatically. As long as you've done your diligence and you know your strategies to me, it's making it about them and the money comes. And I would say that right next to that is know your strategies, know, learn, you know, always be learning because there's so many, so many strategies. Even if you only knew three or four more than you do now and you really start to master them, it's just going to open up so many doors and windows for your business and your potential growth and your returns and bottom line. Ready for the best ever lightning round? Best ever lightning room. What is? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know what the best ever lightning room is, but how about the best ever lightning round? Lightning round. Let's do it. All right, and I, let's pretend we're doing this round in the best ever lightning room and see where that takes us. Okay. <laughs> first, <laughs> <laughs> I'm game. Let's do it. All right. First. A word from our best ever sponsors. If you're looking for new multi-unit investment options in stable top-notch markets, then turn to Fourplex Investment Group at fig.us. That's F-I-G dot U-S. Fig specializes in new construction multi-units and managed communities perfectly suited for A-caliber investors. Go to fig.us. All right, we're officially in the best ever lightning room, which I'm just picturing black lights and lightning and thunder going all around us. What's the best ever book you've read? Oh, good Lord. There's so many. I've read a lot. (laughs) Um, I think one that impacted me the most was, of course, by Tony Robbins. Awaken the Giant Within has to be one of my favorites. And then Unlimited Power... Good Lord, Power of Positive Thinking, Four Agreements. I I mean, just, I I love reading. So, you know, there's a lot of books. Power of Now, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen R. Covey. Think and Grow Rich, of course, is like magnanimous as well. (laughs) Uh, So. Okay. Best ever deal you've done. The one I explained to you uh, with the, the, the folks that were having all those federal tax liens. Right. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it? Okay, personal growth experience. Um, I guess it would be myself. It was a while back, but I started to realize I, I wanted to do more deals. And 
I reached a, a plateau, you know, and um, it was because it was the standard typical 65 cents on the dollar. And I just was tired of just having to be limited by that. So I think I had seen a couple of other investors that were doing other creative types of deal structures. And it hit me hard because I actually lost a deal to one of them, one that I had worked on for about, I don't know, a month or so. And they ended up getting it because they were able to offer the seller better terms than I was. And I'm like, how'd they do that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, how could they do that and still make money? And that's what forced me. And I've seen it happen a lot. So it, it really forced me to just, that's it. I've got to learn this. I got to learn more. It's not enough to know what I know. And I learned from it that you need to constantly keep learning. Structures change all the time in, in markets and everything. So I'm constantly learning and have been ever since. Best ever way you like to give back? Helping people. I do it all the time. Other investors that are like just starting out, I've actually, you know, they'll bring me something and I'll still I'll give them 50%. I'll show them the way. Um, I just like to give back in any way I can. I'll, I'm that way by nature anyway. But uh, I'm not one of those, like, I don't keep, oh, you know, your secrets hidden or your, your, your trade secrets or whatnot. Just always helping people. I also, of course, you know, donate time and things like that. But always, I'm always looking to help somebody because, you know, we're limited on earth anyway. And the more you give, the better you're going to feel in the long run and the more you're going to get as well. What's the biggest mistake you've made so far in real estate? Oh, gosh, there are many. <laughs> Where do I start? No, I'm just kidding. Biggest mistake I ever made, which was actually kind of recent. So even as a seasoned expert, you're going to still make mistakes, folks. Biggest mistake I made, uh, I, I knew this investor and he had gotten a, a million dollar property off me. And, uh, you know, we, were, we went through the closing and whatnot. I was supposed to get paid at closing. $20,000, it's not a lot, but still, I was supposed to get it at closing turns out that his funding didn't come through for his uh, rehab so he asked if he can pay like you know give me 14 days I'll pay you outside of closing now of course you do your paperwork and you got it all in writing but two weeks came by nothing <laughs> I didn't get the money <laughs> and then mind you now two years later he still hasn't paid me so that to me is a mistake because I knew better. I knew to close at closing, you either pay or, you know, I'm going to put the deal somewhere else. And just, and I had other buyers for the property as well, but I, I let him acquire it because he wanted it. <laughs> I mean, I ended up getting the property back. He got foreclosed on actually December of 2015. I got the property back, but you know, still why go through that if it's not necessary? So that was the biggest mistake I've made in knowing that there are rules in place for a reason. If you don't get paid, don't do the deal. No matter if, how well you know that person, it doesn't matter. It's a, you know, business is business. When you close, that's when everybody's supposed to get paid. Yep. So, you know, Thanks. don't wait for your money. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, what's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? Oh, well, you know, they can call me or, uh, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I don't have a website don't have the time to manage it and I'm, I'm really not a techie so what's your phone um, number? <laughs> my phone number is 281-330-5812 well Christina thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story how you know you started out very quickly out of the gate 
as top 1% real estate agent in California, making about 500K a year, and then have averaged that or more as a real estate investor since then, 18 or so years, plus or minus. And then, you know, talking through really your hungry, education minded personality where you're constantly looking at different ways to structure deals and educate yourself. That was loud and clear during our conversation. You know, I was trying to pigeonhole you into one strategy, but you wouldn't let me. You, uh, you said, <laughs> sorry. You know, hey, no, it's fine. I, I, that's, that's the way you operate looking at multiple strategies and that's what we need to know. So that's good. And, and you, you did focus more on subject two because it sounds like that was some of your last deals that you've been doing. And that's certainly a strategy that I've never done. Um, and it's still a little fuzzy to me because I haven't had a whole lot of people talk about it. But that's why there's the opportunity because a whole lot of people <laughs> haven't talked about it. And I've interviewed, exactly. six, I've interviewed 600 plus guests and a lot of them are single family investors. So if you're a single family investor, then go learn subject to learn how to do a wrap and learn how to get some of that passive income that Christina is enjoying. And thank you for inviting your alter ego, Kristen, to the show. I appreciate that. But we gave her the boot right after I introduced her at the, at the beginning. And now we, we only talked to Christina. So uh, it was really nice, <laughs> really nice meeting you. Thanks so much for being on the show. Hope, hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, best ever listeners. If you're looking for new multi-unit investment options in stable top-notch markets, then turn to Fourplex Investment Group at fig.us. That's F-I-G U-S. Fig specializes in new construction multi-units and managed communities perfectly suited for A-caliber investors. Go to fig.us.